Well, hello, everybody. Hello, 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 blessings. We are so delighted to be here with you on this evening as we are sharing on racism and the church. We are having a very important discussion on tonight and we have a great panel that is here with us. Before we jump into our conversation, I want you to invite others to join in with us. Would you really quickly just press that share button? That's right, press share so that we can share with others on tonight as we have this deep discussion. Also, we want you to comment. We want you to also ask questions, put your questions in the comments. Also, I want you to share where you're coming in from, what city, what state, what nation, what neighborhood. Uh, just share with us so that we will know who's here with us on tonight. We're going to have necessary conversations on tonight, and we have an awesome panel that is with us. We're going to dive deep into the discussions. As we are in the discussions, we want you to participate. We want you to comment. Again, we want you to also uh, put some of your questions and some of your concerns that you may have so that we can address those issues, some of those issues as well. Before we jump into the conversation and introduce this illustrious panel that is with us on tonight, I mean, these are some women. This is the women's edition. That's right. You, the men were here, but they said, where's the women? And aren't you glad that we have a voice in this? We have a voice. We are on the front lines as well, bringing about change, bringing about hope and bringing about healing. And so before we go into this deep discussion on tonight and talk about racism and the church, I want you to uh, just help me just acknowledge uh, the platform that we are on tonight that has uh, afforded us the opportunity to be able to bring this message and this conversation to you on this evening. And so with that being said, we are thankful and grateful for the I Need a Word platform, who in less than three years has had over 1 billion views on Facebook alone and has reached so many, so many people, 3.1 million followers on Facebook and reaching so many around the world. And so we salute you on tonight and say thank you for using your platform to speak to current issues of this day because it is very important to hear uh, the heart of God concerning these things. Well, let's get into our panel on tonight. We're going to introduce, uh, first up we have with us Pastor Serenus Lopez. Pastor Serenus is an author, wife, mother, conference speaker, and president of Complete Woman Ministries. She is full of passion, energy, and truly a delight in singing or delights in singing songs that speak of God's peace, joy, and love, bringing a word that will empower women to find their completeness in Jesus. Serenus resides in Palm Bay, Florida, and is a member of Discover Life Church in Melbourne. We welcome with us tonight, Pastor Serenus Lopez. Next, we have Dr. Nina Buratak. Dr. Nina is an author, wife, teacher, and preacher for 30 years and has been given opportunities both in the United States and abroad to share the message of God that God has placed on her heart to see each person set free and established to live completely for Jesus. Pastor Nina has been affiliated with Shiloh Church in Oakland, California for more than four decades, where she leads various ministries under shallow life. She has, raised, she has been raised in a Jewish home, but accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of her life on 
Halloween night in 1976. How about that? Next up, we have with us Dr. Patricia Ferguson. Patricia Ferguson is an extraordinary, passionate public servant, author, community leader, renowned speaker, teacher, and expert facilitator. Patricia Ferguson is passionate about the impact of public policy or that public policy makes on local communities and communities, communities with a longstanding history of persistent poverty. Patricia Ferguson is a former elected official who has advocated for strategies that would improve the quality of life of distressed communities and compassionate leaders who who understand the language of poverty and in turn, the language translates into meaningful public policy. We welcome tonight, Dr. Patricia Ferguson. Pastor Vanessa Gargano is our final panelist on tonight. Pastor Vanessa is the co-lead pastor of Road to Life Church along with her husband, Mother Three, a visionary, church planter, entrepreneur, and a powerful communicator. Vanessa has a passion to see people realize and reach their potential in Christ, overcoming a childhood that was marred by substance abuse, divorce, sexual promiscuity, alcoholism in her own life, and financial instability. She is passionate about helping others find their way to freedom. I need a word platform guests that are here tonight. Let's welcome our guest panelists that are here with us to speak and share on the topic of racism and the church. This is the women's edition. Welcome everyone, welcome. Thank you. Wow, wow. I think we have to have a whole nother conversation. We're just talking about all this good stuff that is in uh, just a snippet. You know, we just took a snippet of the ladies' bios on tonight. And 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 you have so much um, that God has, uh, by his grace, uh, has given you the ability to accomplish. So that will be another conversation. But tonight, we're going to dive deep. And I want to jump right into this first question that has been given to us uh, by the platform. And the first question is, why is it important for the world and the faith communities to see faith leaders take a stand on racial division issues? Why is it important for the world and faith communities to see faith leaders take a stand on racial division issues? Is there anyone that would like to just chime right in and, and just take on this first question? Why is it important? Why is it important for us to speak up? Why is it important for us to be involved? Or is it not important? Should we just stay in our sealed houses of worship and cover our heads and raise our hands and just say hallelujah? Or should we speak? Should we get involved? I mean, I think as a, as a church and as a body of Christ and as women, I think this is definitely, there are so many good things that we need to talk about and this is def because, and not only because of what's going on. I think this is a conversation that needs to always be ongoing, uh, because, you know, unfortunately, the 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 events that have happened have brought some light to this. But it's never been it's never been gone. It's always been there. We just haven't seen it. Like someone said, it's always been there. Now it's just on video, and now it's on camera. Now we get to see this. And so, as a church, I mean, if God has given us the truth, 
for one, then we should definitely we should definitely speak. And if we are the light of the world, come on, let's start shedding some light, especially in this, in 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 you know, in what's going on. So um, yeah, I'll just start off with that, and I'll let somebody else piggyback yeah. off me. Yeah, uh, congregations. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a little different in in my view of things because I'm not directly a church leader um, in the in context of some of you. But the congregation represents the community. So the churches have to be a direct reflection of what's happening in the community because the congregation constitutes the community. So you can't advocate responsibilities, be they social or otherwise, because you are the church and which Christ spoke very clearly to the body as regards to truth and justice and standing for righteousness. So the needs that existed outside of the quote unquote church was also exactly why Christ came to fulfill and meet those needs. So you can't separate the two. Mm. Thank you so much. Both of those were um, really just um, just uh, great answers there. And uh, Serena's just what you just spoke to in the beginning, opening up. Yes, it's been something that has constantly been going on. And um, um, I can say as I am an African-American woman, I have four African-American sons, one African-American daughter, uh, a black husband. So, you know, that's my household. And so um, even as a, a pastor and a, a woman of God that preaches around the world, you still deal up on a personal level with some of the, the, the feelings that is going on or, or some of the uh, uh, discrimination. Uh, you see it. You see it with maybe how your spouse is dealt with or how your sons are dealt with or just, you know, just that extra prayer that you're sending up, you know, when your kids start driving and you wanna, you don't want them to be, you know, pulled over by the police. You are nervous about something extra happening and, you know, you have to cast down that fear and, you know, go into praying, but it's real, it's real. And like uh, Pastor Serena's what you said, it was been gone along, going on all the time. And I'll tell you what I said, Thank God for cameras. Thank God <laughs> for technology. You know, because you, there, there was one lady, um, I'm, I, I, I forgot her name. I, I should have wrote her name down, but she was a, a Caucasian woman. And it really blessed me, um, uh, Patricia Ferguson, to see her admit that she did not even acknowledge that racism exists. In her world, it didn't exist. It didn't exist until she saw the video of George Floyd. It didn't exist until she saw him take his last breath on camera. And then it hit her like a lightning bolt. And she's like, whoa, I gotta get involved. Yeah. This is real, this is happening. And so um, uh, like you shared, this is not, you know, something that's just overnight. This is not a sprint. This is a, this is a marathon and it's going to take, you know, consistent working and continual working and, and, and being a part and showing up and, and speaking and getting, and getting involved and, 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 and being a part of what is going on. Uh, Pastor Vanessa, would you like to chime in and just share um, some of your thoughts concerning uh, the church getting involved and the church speaking about the issues uh, that are going on. Yeah, I just, I think uh, for us, 
I've, we've always been under the understanding that the stronger culture wins and culture is really important. Um, we, we should be the culture setters, right? Like the world shouldn't be the culture setters. The church should be the culture setters. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, you know, that your, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and so it's our responsibility as leaders um, of the body of Christ to kind of instill kingdom culture in our people. And so when when people come into our churches and, and they're, um, they're coming and they're in the presence of the Lord, it should feel a little bit like heaven on earth. And so um, if we're salt and light in our world, right, that culture, it should just permeate through uh, through everything that we do. And our churches should look like a little bit of the, it should look like the kingdom of heaven. And that's that's every culture, every generation, every, you know, every race. But um, the stronger culture wins. So we just have to be really good at uh, establishing a, a powerful kingdom culture, you know, um, applying like the fruits of the spirit and really just teaching that there is no law against those things. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Uh, there is no law against those things. So the more that we, you know, pray that and teach that uh, into our people, the better our world will look. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Pastor. Uh, Dr. Nina. Yeah, you know, I really appreciated what Vanessa said there. You know, it's interesting. We always think, oh, here's how people are going to know that we're Christian, you know, there'll be miracles, there'll be all sorts of things. But it's interesting because the scripture says in John 13, it says that uh, this is how they're gonna know we're Christians. It's by our love one for another, that there's mm -hmm. something that the world is looking for. I mean, I find it so fascinating that the book of Romans says that the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of yes. God. It's like the whole word, earth is waiting for a people to get it right. And, you know, as all of these videos have come out and as God is really taking every hidden thing and causing it to be uncovered for his purposes in this hour, that it's been interesting because I've been thinking about how the scripture says in, um, you know, really throughout, but I, I've been thinking about Psalm 133 where it says, you know, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You know, I think God is calling the church in this hour to be the example, the same way that Jesus was the example in his day, that he was willing to go talk to the Samaritan woman. He was willing to heal the Gentile's daughter. He was willing to be amongst people who, you know, everyone else said, why in the world would you be doing this? But he said, no, I, I must needs go to Samaria. And I think we're in a must needs hour. I think the church is in a must needs season where we've got to get this right, that we've got to set the example. I think that's the role of the church, that we would be the forerunner, that we would be the messengers, that we would be those who would be preparing the way um, of what God wants to do in this hour. So yeah, I think it's key. Thank you so much for that. That leads us right into our next question. Why do you think some pastors are silent on the issue of racism? Why do you think some pastors, churches are silent, mute? Yeah. Nothing to say, no comment I, I, when it comes I, I, I to the issues of racism. 
I'll address that by just jumping in and saying, I think that the entire subject in and of itself for church leaders and, and for anyone really, the whole conversation is kind of booby trapped. Um, it really is. Uh, Pastor Mike Signorelli from V1 Church, he kind of talked about this a little bit too. It's, um, you know, we live in a, in a culture that is very easily offended. So um, you have people speaking, but they're, they're speaking not to join a conversation, but to, to get their opinion across, right? So they're not, they're not necessarily coming to join a conversation. They're coming to make sure that their point is heard and they're more concerned with being right than being effective. And so we, we have a lot of people that are talking, but they're not listening to each other. So it's kind of booby trapped, right? And so we, we have to deal with like the spirit off of offense uh, almost before we can even enter the conversation where people are listening and people are heard and we can actually be effective. Beautiful. I think that if I could sort of use some formal comments uh, from the original question to segue into this one, in that I think that the, the reason there's that, 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 that energy that exists is because I think there still is a denial that racism does exist in America. And I think the denial is probably built within the context of legislation. You take a look at re the first reconstruction, you take a look at the Emancipation Proclamation, you take a look at the 13th and 14th Amendment, and for some reason, there's this belief that all the ills of the past were captured within those amendments or that legislation, so therefore everything else is just um, these, these, these dulling tones. And so we don our faces with the belief that it really does not exist because it's uncomfortable. And right. then to admit that there is a problem, it has the potential of saying, am I a part of the problem when I'm supposed to be the guardian of truth and justice and righteousness that I took an oath and I stood before my father God in the church to say that, you know, you know, Jesus is Lord and my, my goal is to be an ambassador for him. And therefore, uh, I think that type of belief can shroud the potential that perhaps I've got some issues within me that have been unsettled for years and don't, and I might not know why they exist, but they possibly exist. So it's a confrontation of self and being willing to deal with face-to-face -face that a woman in the mirror. And isn't that how it is many times with tough things, you know, the temptation is there to just sweep it under the rug because, you know, you know, when you deal with it, you just you're opening up something that's not going to be a little simple patty cake. But there there can be backlash. There can be, you know, people that are going to be upset with you because the reality is, is that uh, like Pastor Vanessa said, uh, when you do speak up, you you know somebody's going to be offended yeah. you, because people are hurting people are in pain people are frustrated and 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 to me personally i believe that's exactly why the church has to be willing to to be a part of this healing process and if it means if it means that i come under attack because i was a part of helping so be it i mean look at the price 
that our Jesus paid for us to have redemption. Look at what Dr. King paid and so many others that were on, on the front line fighting against this evil of what they have paid. And so then if we're here in this dispensation of time and in this generation right now, during this now time, we have a responsibility to not put our head in the sand, but to address and to deal with the hard things. The very gospel that we preach sometimes is offensive. Mm -hmm. We still preach it, don't we? <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> I'm just saying, we, okay, maybe Medina, I'm Medina, come on, right. God is love, Medina, God is love. <laughs> God, 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 God is love. And so in but, being like Jesus, yeah. the same one that goes out there who, yeah. who, who doesn't go with the crowd, right? When the woman is caught in the middle of adultery and everybody's ready to kill her, okay? That's a whole nother message, right? They're ready to stone her. She's caught in adultery by herself, right? No, but nobody mentions the man. Everybody's yeah. ready, get rid of her. Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't go along with what the crowd is doing. He goes to, to stand up and to defend the one that is under attack. That's how Jesus. Jesus would speak against the social injustice. He would speak against, I mean, that's how Jesus, I'm not saying not to do it in love. I'm saying to silence many times can be taken as a consent. Mm -hmm. And so when I tell you, when I see people like my, my, like my dear friend from Dr. Nina's church, you know, uh, Pastor Ramos from out there at, at, in, in California, when I see his post, even when it's just a post to say, you know what, we're standing up against this, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's like, yes, thank you, Lord. Because there are so many that are not saying anything. This is, and, and, and there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. And especially when a lot of your congregation is African-American. Yeah. I think yeah. that's exactly right. You know, I, while you're talking, I'm thinking of um, how when it speaks about Jesus, it says he was the word made flesh, but it says that he dwelt among us. And that yes. glory was full of grace and mm -hmm. truth. I think God is calling us to be in the midst that we're to take Jesus in the midst of people. And it's not just putting our heads in the sand, but there's gotta be, you know, part of that glory is being able to look at all of the truth, just to look at the whole thing. You know, when you ask the question, why are some people silent? You know, it's interesting, even as you shared about how that uh, Caucasian woman saw the video and for the first time, it was like, oh my gosh, this is real. But, you know, I was I was thinking of the scripture um, from Hosea 4, 6, where it says, my people are destroyed for lack mm. of God. And the weird yes. that word destroyed is it actually means to be made silent. I mm. think there's silence that has happened in the midst of God's people. You know, I'm sure there may be a variety of reasons, but one reason is, is that there's not the fullness you know, where uh, the word becomes flesh, where we understand the fullness of what's going on, where we're full of, yes, grace, but we're full yes. of truth at the same time that we've got yes. to be those who are willing to be in the midst. Wow. And Thank not you so any longer. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about about that, about why would some why would some pastors be silent? And 
to some, you know, to some of them, I come from a, a Spanish background. And so not every pastor has African-Americans in their church. You know, um, I was fortunate that when we were young, we were not only in Spanish churches, but we were in, you name it, we were there. God was there, we were there. So we grew up with a different mentality. When my husband and I uh, were able to, when we became pastors, we had a, a, multi a multicultural church. And so it was good because you're, you're there for everybody. But I believe that maybe some, or I think that maybe some pastors think, you know what, this is not my fight. And it's such, you know, and not that it's right. I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not speaking mm -hmm. for them. So, you know, this is what I think. It, it could be one of the reasons that they think it's not my fight. I have other fights. I'm fighting immigration. I'm fighting this. I'm fighting that. <laughs> We're all fighting the same fight. We are all fighting the same fight. And so I agree with um, Pastor Vanessa, that booby trap. I'm scared. If I say something now, they're going to be like, oh, look, now, you know, he's trying to get in or he never said anything before. And I was, it's like, you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I think fear, the enemy is using fear in so many ways. I mean, you could take this in so many directions, but I think fear is one of the big reasons that people stay silent, even in a right. discussion like this, you know, and so, and fear is not from God and it's not of God. Wow. That is so true, Pastor, because, you know, fear will lock you, lock you in a prison and you just can't do anything. Yeah. You know, the scripture tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, right. but of power of love and a sound mind. And through, you know, through prayer and through uh, conversation with God and the help of the Holy Spirit, we become courageous and we can get yeah. the strength that we need. And I feel you with that because as pastors, you know, pastors are, are constantly in battles. And so that could definitely be a thought, like here's another battle, you know, there's so much going on. You have uh, even right now, you know, with the COVID-19 going on, uh, church is, is, is not having services, many churches uh, physically yeah. are not coming together. So there's a battle there being concerned about the sheep and want to make sure that the sheep are good. And, and, and I totally, totally, totally hear you uh, when it comes to um, sharing that. And I just want to just um, just take the moment to just say thank you to all those who have spoken and encourage those who maybe been a little shy or timid about speaking. You know, um, even if even if, you know, somebody maybe misunderstands, misunderstands, you know, God knows God knows your heart. He knows where you're coming, where you're coming from and you're coming to bring hope and you're coming to bring healing. And that's what it's all about, because guess what? If we don't speak. The devil's speaking. <laughs> Seriously, I agree. And for I us agree. as believers, there are certain things that we know. We hold the truth. We hold the truth that that God created humanity, that He yeah. created us in His image. You, black, Hispanic, white, or Asian, all races were created somehow according to God's infinite wisdom in His image and in his likeness and he gave us dominion come on not not over people <laughs> over the earth but if we're quiet we're holding the truth because we like you know what you, we're going to be attacked for this i know people personal people that are personally close to me that are caucasian that have been speaking out for years that that have spoken out and and have come under attack mm -hmm. but they don't stop them from speaking <laughs> right. And, and, don't, and don't stop them from speaking. And so, you know, sometimes we get it. We do get it. You know, I almost didn't even do this, have this conversation because I know, you know, somewhere in here, I might say something that 
I, I, I wasn't strong enough. You know, I didn't say, you know what, forget all the white people. You know, I can't say that and be a kingdom citizen. There are certain things I can't say just because it's trending or just because it's a hashtag. If it doesn't go along with with my constitution, if it doesn't go along with the kingdom, I can't endorse it. I can't sign up to it. I can't say it. I know that God loves all people. I know that how Jesus prayed, you know, that we would be one. Then we would be one. So we come with that message of the representation of the of, of the kingdom. Can you speak to um, I think we talked about the, the church and we talked about um, a little bit of the divisions in the church. But I believe that racism has to be tore down on every level. Yeah. For us as believers, do you be, do you believe that the tearing down of racism, tearing it down. Do you believe that that is just on a physical, natural level? Hmm. Tearing racism down on every level. Do you believe that that is just education, that it's education, it's communication. We know these are part of the strategies that we need to talk, we need to communicate, we need to share, have heart to heart and come into conversations without, without sitting on edge saying, I'm gonna catch you in the one thing that you say wrong, but being open for someone to be vulnerable and share where their perspective is and where they're coming from. Do you just believe that it's on an outward um, exterior, it's education, it's conversation, or uh, is racism uh, something a little bit more deeper? If we're gonna tear it down, do we have to tear it down on a whole nother level besides dealing with policy changes, which is very important? in legislation, right. re retraining, educating, which is definitely a huge part of it. Do you believe that there's more to it than just that? I think, you know, without a doubt, institutional racism is a real issue. So you can't dismantle racism until you deal with the institutional uh, nature of it. And to understand that racism is different than being prejudiced because racism connotes power and authority within the context of institutions, especially. So, I mean, it's a really a, it's a really a, a tough question to respond to um, on so many levels because. As, as a black female, and even thinking about my introduction into the into entire subject matter as a young woman who, you know, raised in the South, you know, with a grandfather who was a tenant farmer and just watching the dynamics of that culture and economics and all the pieces that come together to create this system. I can't help but go back to how this all really started. The whole notion of 1619 in Virginia and how they even introduced slaves into America as being a race that was not equivalent to, to, the, to, to, the, to the white communities at that time. And then the perpetuation of that was through education and a large part through white women who saw um, education at home, right, was also, um, was a, there was a seamlessness in making sure that when, when institutions of education, school systems were created, white women saw what? They saw it as an extension of teaching at home. 
So it is a very, very complex issue that Bible is at the point of educating or re-educating kids. Beth Moore, who well, have so much respect for her and just putting herself out there, talks a lot about this on social media, about I refuse to allow my children's children and children to even deal with this issue because I'm going to do what teach them about things that were not taught to her. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it's important. This is all about these. This is we're women talking, and um, I'm pretty sure we're all probably moms. And so I think we. Uh, well, I'll start with this. It is it is deeper because so many years have gone, and so many layers have been added to racism. Um, and so you, it's not going to go with one peel. You know, it's like peeling and peeling and peeling. You got to get to the root of the problem in order to fix it. But for all the women that are listening today. I think we can start fixing that because the root of that are people. And we got little ones. Well, mines are all big. But, you know, we raise men and women. We raise little boys and girls to be men and women. So what we teach them at home is so important to fix this problem. If we're able to teach them, you know what, God made us all and God loves us all. And you know what? God loves color. He loves color, all kinds of color. You know, people say, I don't see color. I do because God made it and I love color, you know? And so if we take that responsibility of going just to be a mom and in teaching our kids and raising our children, not when we teach about the love of God, it has to go in there that God loves all, we love all. And I think if we moms did our job or do our job or be better at our job, some of us and some of you are doing amazing. Amazing. Um, this is not, let's not bash moms because I think we're pretty cool. Yeah. But I also think that we have an opportunity, especially if you have little ones at home. You, you it's really hard to fix a tree. Like it's a Spanish a say a Spanish saying, you know, you can't fix a tree once already it's once it's grown. You gotta you gotta take care of it when it's little. Yeah. So we can really start making a difference and start peeling back so that the new generation, this generation, doesn't see what we have seen doesn't live what many have lived. They completely see different because moms took the time to teach and educate the love of God in all of this way. So I think it's, it is, it is, this is a lot deeper than what we can even think of, but we can start making a difference today in instructing our children about God's love and how God loves color. I think that's so powerful and so important what you just shared, uh, Pastor Serenus, because when you think about it, when you look at the little the videos of the children and the children playing together, yep. no one is born racist. It's learned behavior. It's learned. It's taught. It's passed down. And so if we can deal with that in the homes to teach and to talk about the, of some of the things that were done that was not right and to bring people and bring our children up to to respect humanity yeah. to respect life may that be restored in the name of jesus yes. on every level just yes. a respect for the breath that god has caused to give people life that we don't just take it and and, and cut it down you know and just yeah. restoring even the value for that and 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 i believe that you're so right about that you know teaching our children talking to our children and 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 taking that time while we have them because you know they grow up and then they leave they <laughs> while 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 they're in our care and our custody having those real conversations 
with our children and training yeah. them up to respect and to love all people, to love all people, to love humanity. Humanity. Love humanity. Amen. And, and, and I think we need to hear more about humanity. And it's that wicked one, that demonic deceiver, mm. that cast out one, that defeated foe, mm. the one whose days are numbered. He is the great divider. That's all he does is go around dividing and causing divisions. And so I, I believe that even, you know, with the conversations and the teachings and the talking at the table, the talking at the table, you know, and, and sharing with our families, we definitely have to keep this on the front lines with yeah. intercession and praying against this evil spirit that comes to divide, to conquer us, because really we are better together. Amen. We're better together. We're better. We, we are better together. And, and, um, um, I, since it's all women here tonight, I have to ask the question about what were your thoughts uh, if you saw the video of George, um, uh, Mr. George Floyd, when um, you found out that he was um, and heard him call for his mother? Hmm. What was, I believe that all of us are mothers here um, uh, tonight. What was that like for, for you hearing him call for his mom? <sighs> you know, it's, it, what can you, I mean, to think about him, but to think about the mom, you know, it's like, no matter how you look at it, your heart just breaks. It, 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 it breaks because, you know, we have kids, we have children that want less than that. And we give above and beyond. And here is a grown man calling out for, for, for mom. And there's nothing she can do. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's so it's just so hard to put into words because it's yeah, it, it was just hard. It's just hard. It's such a cry of desperation. Oh. I think we've all seen our children and now our grand. Well, for me, my grandchildren. And you know, whenever they're in a place, it's like you have extra ears if you hear yeah. the cry that just you know is is asking, "Would you help? Would you help?" And, I think when George did it, if I understand it correctly, I think his mother has passed on. Yes. And what's interesting about that is I think it was, he was a, a believer, you know, he, his spirit was, I believe, just crying out. You know, I think it is a call for moms. Everywhere. I think, yes. you know, that was George's mother's son, but he's our son too. Ooh. Would be, you know, any of our children. I mean, I understand that this is an African American issue, but we as moms yeah. have to hear it. You know, with my Jewish background, I lost basically my entire extended family in the Holocaust. Oh. Nobody would answer the cry. And I mm. think we hear people cry when they're calling that if we're standing by, We've got to answer that cry. George becomes our son. We stand yes. up, we voice up. What would we do if that was, in fact, our child? We would push heaven mm. and earth aside. Yeah. Push that. We would have Herculean strength. <laughs> Amen to that. That officer right off of him. Yeah. And I believe. Well, that's if you want, but. 
<laughs> I mean, women. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 says that women received their dead back to life again. You see, there's a special faith in women. And I think him crying out for that is to stir our faith that we are not going to allow this. We are going to not endure this for mm. any They're all our children. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hmm. I feel that so strongly. Yes, our children, and we're not going to stand for that for any child, and mm -hmm. any, but for any child, and and that's our stance and our commitment um, that we should have as the church. You know, and when you think about the church, you also think about the women in the church. Where, right. You know, where where would the church be without women in the church? Women, <laughs> women can get some things done. That's right. And as we rally, you know, rally together. And, and say, you know what, as a community, not our children, your child, my child, your son, my son, your daughter, my daughter, and it's to stand up against these injustices and, and to stand up uh, uh, against this evil and to bring about changes and conversations and not just conversations, but really pushing really pushing because, and you said, why is it so important to, 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 to get involved even now, get in, you want to, you want to get involved while there's some momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the truth be told when, when there, when there's no momentum, not many people care. Not many people yeah. are involved. Easier, so, easier to push that big ball when it's rolling. Yes. Let's keep it rolling. Yes. yes. <laughs> You know, momentum doesn't come all the time like that. And so yeah. when it's when it's there and I believe it's, you know, it's part of this third, you know, great awakening that we've been talking about even spiritually, you know, with the things of God and coming back to God and reverence for God and 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 back to biblical uh, basics that even in this, even with that woman to me in the car recognizing and she was a Christian and she is a Christian that she didn't even believe that racism exists like that, she was awakened. She was awakened from that video. And uh, sometimes God will use ugly things yeah. to birth something beautiful. Yeah, amen to that. That seed going in the ground, bringing forth a greater harvest, that, that, mm -hmm. that, that we give our condolences and our prayers for, for, for Brother Floyd's family to yeah. see how this one man, how how his life has been used to bring so many people together, so many other nations, people out, even outside of America standing up and marching, peacefully protesting, peace, peacefully. Mm -hmm. That's the one I want to talk about, peaceful protest. <laughs> you know, and, and some and, and standing up and, and it, it's 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 birthing something new and even people that have been on the front line fighting against social injustices are saying they have never seen this before they've never seen this before that is hopeful so then when people say well why are you not talking about black on black crime we talking about it we know it exists we don't agree with that but the momentum is here right now and if we can get this baby out if we can take this this momentum, if we can take it and use it for good right now while the world is paying attention and yeah. get mm -hmm. 
legislations change and policies change and 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 get um uh, changes in the police department and retraining i mean we don't want to get rid of all the police officers most people don't agree with that i'm gonna call the cops something go down we just want to get rid of the bad ones <laughs> because everybody's not bad no everybody's everybody's not bad there's some very good people that are on the force and that's why we'd be praying for them that god would hold their hands up like 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 moses hands was held up that you know they don't quit we don't want the good ones quitting we want the bad ones to to quit we want the good ones to stick it stick it in there you know stay in there and and keep on doing what they're doing good because we need them there and so people say, well, what about this? Or what we know there's other things that are going on, but right now there's a momentum right here dealing with this. And we're saying, let's take this and get as much done as we possibly can while the world is paying attention to what's going on because things will happen faster. What would have taken 10 years will happen in one year. What would have taken what would have what would have taken maybe 40 years will, will happen in just a year's time. Yeah. Because of how this set time has come for, for change. Mm -hmm. The set time has come for this awakening. Amen to that. Now that's some good stuff right there. <laughs> My response was avoidance. If I could say that. I mean, I didn't believe it. I, I just, um, as a mom, I just couldn't bring myself to, to really look at the, the video for, for several days. It, but but I can tell you, um, then my first thought was, you know, just to um, reach to my sisters, especially, and say to them, I just need you to have some conversations in your homes and your churches around this issue. I didn't try to prescribe to them what to talk about, um, but I knew that historically, white women have done some amazing work in the area of social justice throughout history. The Lord has used them uniquely, especially in the civil rights movement and other movements. Um, so I knew that was important to me. And the other thing I did on, on one of my journey clips that I posted was ask women to make a decision about how they would become advocates and supporters mm -hmm. of the movement, even though they were not doing the walking or carrying the signs if, and that they would please prescribe to prayer and uh, prayer in a very general context around safety and justice and what they had a role to play to ensure. And then the other piece I did um, was simply to encourage them to start looking at their local school curriculums around black history and to start the process of having conversations with legislators and others about creating curriculums where they redefine black culture and have an unvarnished version of who we are as people. And to tackle the image issue, Pastor Medina, that yes. you are so beautiful and eloquent at, at talking about, to deal with this issue of image and to talk about God is in love with humankind. So those are some of the things that I just, I just had to do this. I was just like you, um, um, Patricia, when you saw the video at first, I could not look at it, but mm -hmm. I forced myself to. 
and because it's painful you know as moms we carry this 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 care this you know this we're nurturers it, it, it doesn't matter you, you know your son could be like some of my sons in in their 20s now but still you know that's mama's baby and and you know love is love is is kind but love is a force love is ferocious you know a mom is a rescuer a mom will get in between you know and and, and to see him there you know just that position as stinking as a mom and seeing that it, it was just it was very hard and, and then also if i could be transparent it was also like here we go again mm -hmm. in the sense of something else you know it's it seemed like it's always something you know happening you know when it comes to uh especially our african-american um males, males. african-american males and and uh, i'm so thankful i'll be honest with you that i have the holy spirit that i i'm tabernacled by the lord because if i wasn't the temptation to have a closed heart yeah. would be so strong. It's not an option for me as a believer. You know, you, you're you able to live from another place. But if I didn't have the Lord, oh my goodness, with some of the things with being born and raised in, in the Bronx, in New York, and the experiences, and the things that you, that you that you deal with and you see on the regular on a regular basis, yeah. it, it, it will cause you to, to close your heart. And, mm -hmm. and one thing about that lady, I might need to bring her on to have a conversation <laughs> with the woman that was in the car. She might need to join our next chat, Dr. Nina, <laughs> is I really believe that even her transparency helped to bring healing, mm -hmm. helped to bring healing. And if we can have these hard conversations and if we can be real about it, that sometimes we have these real emotions. I remember uh, when I first moved into to my neighborhood, when I first moved into my neighborhood, people came and, you know, they came to speak and but they didn't come to speak to really welcome us in the neighborhood. It was like, you know, what are these black folks doing here? And we knew it and we knew it because they didn't speak after that. They came to see who was coming and the temptation, the temptation, you know, to be closed and to, you know, just be like, OK, well. And then and as a believer, you know, I can't do that. So what do you do? You take that real conversation. No, seriously, that real conversation to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, uh, there was an event that was going on and all the kids invited, all the kids in the neighborhood is all invited. You know, this is what my perspective of it, of it was. Maybe it was something else. Real talk. And, and, and here it is, my little African-American brown sons that don't look nothing but black, okay, is not invited and as a mother looking <laughs> like oh so the yeah. temptation like when the first time i i saw roots because when the first time i saw roots there was an anger that rose up on the inside of me i'm like this is what you know what we went through so now as a mother years later that same feeling tries to come up because i'm a protector I, this my baby's like really and I had to immediately, right away, address it. Address it with who? Address it with the Lord. Lord, I need you to look at my heart because the enemy's trying to sow a seed to cause me to close my to close my heart and to think a particular way. And I I know because your word already tells me that that's not your will. 
If we just shout and dance over it and speak in tongues, it's not going to be, we're just going to hibernate, we're just going to foster and, and, and harbor things that need to be exposed yeah. and dealt with. So I just told on myself. And so when I talked to God about it and I said, Lord, I need you to look on me because I know that's not your will. Then I left it. I went to the store. Do you not know? I went to the store with my kids. I said, okay, you can't go to that party. I took them out and I'm going to buy them some surfers so they could surf in the, the swimming pool. Come on, <laughs> we have our own party, right? But I gave that to God. Do you not know that the Lord had a Caucasian woman to walk up to me in Walmart and prophesy to me about my sons? Mm. But if I did not expose my own self to say, you know what? Hey, I'm a, I, my heart is being targeted to receive something that's not of God. This is not your will for me to have a closed heart towards any particular race. God, I need your help. He will help us. But if we act like it doesn't exist or we don't have the biases or, or, or we're not rolling up the windows, even though we got our Bibles in our cars and say, oh, there's an African-American man there and not address it, then you can't bring healing. That woman to me is a shero because that woman, she got there, she, she, ex she dealt with the real issue. She exposed it. She was transparent and she owned it. Yeah. And for there to be healing in the church, there's some stuff that we have to own. Because yeah. some of the racism was pushed right in the church in the name of the same Lord that we preach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if we don't talk about it, then the babes, you know, because we, you know, we're gonna we're gonna serve serve the Lord, and you know what to say because you're more mature. But yeah. if we don't share with the children, the babes in Christ. Right. What is our position as kingdom citizens that we are that we are one in Christ Jesus, that God loves all humanity. If we don't arm them with how to how to uh, uh, respond or how to be proactive or how to contribute to the conversation, they won't know. But then guess who's telling them how to respond? Social media. Yeah. Yeah. Social media, and and that's not the and a lot of social media is not putting out the right answers because it's promoting hate, it's promoting division, it's promoting not having dialogue, mm -hmm. and so then if the church at least speaks to it, you know, you know, it's not saying that you have to, you know, you have a whole congregation that you have to minister to. It's not saying that you know you have to just keep going every week just talking about racism, but it does need to be addressed so that the church knows where we stand. At, as this house, as this body of believers, this is our stance on racism. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a hard thing, you know, you, you got, I mean, there's so many scriptures we could use, but we have love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And if we're able to do that, then we can love everyone else. So it definitely right. is a heart, a heart thing. And that's where we're challenged. That's where, where our spirit gets challenged because it is a hard thing. God, I love you, so I'm going to be quiet. God, I love you because I, I know you're going to give me strength. I'm not happy about this, but I know you're going to get me through. And it definitely is a hard thing. And I think someone had posted a while. I think when the when the when the flyer went out, somebody said, uh, "Why don't we talk about racism in the church, not just racism mm -hmm. in the church, but racism in the church?" Because it, yeah, right now, you know, it, it, it's you can't. I mean, it's it's what's happening is is awful. And it's bad, and you can't say anything 
I mean, you have to stand up for it, but there are also a lot of people that are going through different kinds of racism and different kinds of trouble. And so we as a church, like we started, we as a church, we need to be vocal. We need to be the light. I mean, you look at organizations that are growing leaps and bounds in all of our communities. Why? Because they got together. They believed yeah. in one thing. I mean, they were like those people in, at the Tower of Babel. They were like, you know what? We can't build a tower to get to God because they were speaking the same language. The church just can't seem to speak the same language. You know, and when we do, if we just go back to love the Lord your God, and if we understand that if we get that right, we can get so many other things right. They'll just fall into place if we get that one thing right. It's a hard thing. Right. It's a hard thing. It is a hard thing. And he gives us that key, and he also tells us, love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going not to cause yourself to suffocate. You're going to hear. When you, if you see yourself down there saying, I can't breathe, you're going to hear that. You're mm -hmm. going to hear that. But I'm not discouraged. I'm, I'm encouraged because in these hard conversations, if, if not us, if, ooh, we are baptized believers with the Holy Ghost. They can stand up and say, we will not have this, not on our watch. Yes. We can't do everything, but we're certainly gonna do our part. And, it be, and the change that we wanna see, it begins, it begins with us. Yes. It has got to search us, not just have this, you know, be, be yeah. like the Pharisees, you know, they was always, they was always so stuck on appearing a certain way that they never dealt with heart stuff. They never dealt with heart issues. They never dealt with inside stuff. It was always how they appeared to men like they were more righteous than everybody else, that they were so left out of what God is doing. God is moving. And yeah. even this movement that is happening and this awakening that is happening in the land to deal with this stuff that is, is, is going on, there's a mighty move of God, Amen. listen, uh, that, is, that is happening. And if we don't get rid of our biases, we're going to miss out on major breakthroughs. Biases of it's, it's got to be a certain color. Biases of it has to be a man. Biases, it has to be a woman. They need to be older. They need to be younger. Do they have an earring in their ear? Is that a tattoo? Listen, God, is, <laughs> listen, we better learn really quickly how to not judge people based on appearances. Amen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because God is using, he is doing whatever he wants to do. He will work, he's asking nobody for permission and right. there is a move going on and it's there happening. Is. It's yeah. happening, it is happening. Glory to God, I agree. hallelujah. I agree. Yeah, Dr. Medina, you know, we've been saying, you know, I've been in the church for a long time, decades. And we're all praying, revival, move of the Holy Spirit, all of this. You know what? I think that's what we're seeing here. Yes. It doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. <laughs> you see, even how it, at the beginning of this year, in 2020, everybody was prophesying 2020 vision. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I think God is giving it to us. I think we're mm -hmm. seeing things. God is causing us to see things that we didn't see before. But the amazing thing is, you know, I think about the move of the Holy Spirit. And when you think about, I mean, think about this, it blows your mind. God had up to that point of the, uh, you know, baptism and the Pentecost, you know, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit had basically been just to one people group. But when the Holy Spirit came, what's amazing 
is that on. on the day of Pentecost, it says everyone heard what the Holy Spirit was saying in their own language. Yeah. Yeah. That this is happening. I believe this move that God is doing, this revival that looks completely different than what we thought, that God is causing dead things to come to life, that mm -hmm. I believe that he is causing his people to come together. And that's what broke it through. We say we want a book of Acts church. We want to see that experience again. Well, then we're going to see the things that they saw. We're going to see people like Philip ministering to people who nobody would ever have ministered to before. We're going to see uh, visions. What, what was the vision in Acts chapter 10? Peter had to find out, oh, wait, I can't call anybody unclean. No, right. that's all wrong. And God had to correct his way of thinking that yeah. had been birth. But then they all had to come together, Acts 15, where they had to say, okay, what are we going to do here? Because we didn't think Gentiles could be saved. I mean, can you imagine? But you know, that's the move of the Holy Spirit. And yes. I the Holy Spirit is happening where he's saying, no, this is all going to come out. This is going to be where... You know, Jesus's great intercessory prayer of John 17, that we would be one. Yes. Powerful that his Holy Spirit would move in that dimension. Yeah. Good. That is good. I'd like to speak Ooh. into that, too, if, if I could. I'd like to just piggyback off of that because this is not a new issue and this is not an American issue. And this is not a, this is, Jesus has been addressing this since he was here and walked the earth. This is, it, it's not even just a skin issue. It is a sin issue. I mean, he dealt with it with Samaritan. He dealt with it. it it's oppression overall. It's, it's oppression period. And so one of the culture statements that we communicate to our church all the time is we don't fight personalities, we fight principalities. And so we get stuck in the wrong fight. Like we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory based on what Jesus did, but we get we get stuck in the wrong fight. I mean, there's a million things that we could advocate for and we can be justice warriors and we can do all of those things. But at the end of the day, we have to represent the kingdom well. And so we have to fight the right fight and we fight principalities. And so our enemy is always trying to create division. And God loves diversity, hates division, loves diversity, hates division. Yeah. We're a multicultural church. Um, I, I have a, a black son-in-law. Um, our, our church is filled with every kind of culture. We have Ukrainians, we have Puerto Ricans, we have we have every everything. It is beautiful, it's a beautiful representation of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. But this is a sin issue. And I love that Jesus addressed it. And he said, there is neither uh, now uh, not slave or free, not Jew or yeah. Gentile, women yeah. or man, not male or female. Right? He said, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Like this is the message that we have to deal with and we have to communicate uh, as a whole in the world. And Jesus is trying to unify. He's going to clean his church. And then, you know, because we're the culture setters and then everybody is going to respond to that. I believe it, but here's what happens uh, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. Mm -hmm. And so you, when you have these things happening and, and something has triggered this, this momentum, right? That, that, that poor moment that we saw that took all of our breath away. Um, and it, and it triggered, like it, it started dealing with, you know, a deeper thing that just manifested. This was the fruit of a problem for 
you know, a million years. And so the Bible does teach us that in the end, right, we're going to be lovers of ourselves, lovers of pleasures. Uh, it says dishonoring to our parents. We're going to hate authority. We're going to do all these things. But one of the words that is in there says it, that we're going to be unreconcilable. Like it's going to be a temptation to not want to reconcile, like because we're just all going to be so over it. Right. We're just so sick of it. And um, and it's going to be really difficult. And so the enemy's going to try to continue to get us to not have a conversation and, and to not love each other well. And, you know, and it said because of the lawlessness, like the love of the great body is going to want to wax cold. Like we are going to want to, we're just going to be done. Like we're, we're over it. Right. We're just going to kind of look out for ourselves and care. And, and man, it's a whole conversation. It's a whole thing. There's so much in it, but at the end of the day, it comes down to um, that oppression that so many people. And I think, when we watch that last breath and we watch him say, I can't breathe. I think all of us in a, in a moment felt that, that at some time in life, we have, we have all felt that moment. Like I cannot breathe. Right. And we just have to remember that we are not, we are never always a hero and we're never always a villain. You're a hero or a villain in somebody's story, depending on who you talk to. And, um, and so we just always have to remember, man, we have got to be close to our own depravity. We have got to stay close to it so that we can understand the holiness of God and the grace of God and never get too far away from understanding like how wicked our hearts and how evil yeah. they actually can be. Um, because if we lose sight of that, then we start walking in this like self-righteous attitude and man, we could be taking somebody's breath away just by how we're responding dishonoring on social media we want our kids to love people well we want to train them up but as adults we are watching people bash each other on the daily on social media and that we're their example we are their so we're not honoring to our pastors we're not honoring to our parents we're not honoring to authority we're not honoring to and so this is the model this is the representation um, so it goes far beyond even one issue. It goes into, it goes into all the things when you're dealing with, uh, an abusive power, you're dealing with oppressive things. And I think that's the bigger conversation that we have to have with our kids again is what is the fruit of the spirit and what are the works of the flesh? And we yeah. are going to work, uh, and we're going to operate under the fruits of the spirit, because we are kingdom people and we are going to be kingdom focused and we are going to love people well. And, um, and that's it. That's, that's Amen. It. Amen. What can we do? Very good. What can we do to, I'm taking a question from uh, some of our guests that are watching us on uh, the, I need a word Facebook page. How can we promote inclusion on Sundays? How can we promote inclusion on Sundays? Mm -hmm. Hmm. How can we include? How can we make? I, I would guess that they're asking how can we make it where everybody is welcome um, to be a part and, and and are included in what's happening at the church. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I I don't. I think where where uh, you know, Discover Life Church is is a multicultural church and everyone is welcomed and you see it all the time. And when I hear someone said, oh, I went to the church and I wasn't welcome or I didn't feel welcome, I don't understand that. 
I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how could that be? This is a place where everybody comes and should be welcomed and loved, you know? So I don't know. And, and I've heard it before, you know, the 10 to 12 is the most segregated time on Sundays. Um, you know, I just think, you know, just, just preach the gospel and, and, and just, I mean, when you represent the kingdom, your church will represent what that is. You know, so I, I, I don't understand how people, I don't know. I, I can't understand it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, well, you know, at church, you're dealing with human beings as well. Everybody comes to church. <laughs> comes to church. <laughs> when everybody's welcome, every, every, everybody every, is welcome. Everybody. <laughs> A-L-L. Uh, it, you know, it, it's almost a twofold thing. One, I think you have to teach it. I think it has to be heard. You know, the word has power. And I think, you know, you, you teach that everyone brings something, you know, even Jesus. I mean, this is really interesting. When he went in um, Matthew uh, 16, I think, when he went to his own country, his own country, you know, he had been performing all these miracles. And even the people knew this, said, oh, you know, this guy's an amazing teacher and he can perform miracles. That's, that's kind of awesome. But when he came there, they began to say, isn't this just the carpenter's son? And mm -hmm. it's interesting because the scripture says that um, therefore he couldn't do any miracles there. And mm -hmm. you know, I think we've got to teach that. We've got to teach mm -hmm. that everybody carries a portion of the Lord. And if we begin in our own minds to uh, lower that estimation for any individual, then we're really missing out. So I think on the one hand, it's taught, but I think on the other hand, it's got to be modeled. I mean, right. I'm really fortunate that I do go to really, I, I think it's predominantly African-American church, you know, that I'm a pastor at. And, uh, but it's multicultural. There's, you know, all sorts of different groups. And um, I think we have really a taught it but be modeled that everybody has something that every joint can supply that we're going to build each other up and that there's a portion that everybody has isn't it an unusual story i hear this story as i've been watching all of these things on the news and hearing it and thinking about the church and you know even what uh pastor lopez said that um she's baffled when people say, you know, what, what, you're not welcome. But there are churches where you're not welcome and you don't feel received and all of that. And, you know, I think about the story of Naaman, you know, how he was a leper. I mean, he had a real problem and he heard, oh, there's a great man of God. I'm going to go see the great man of God, Elisha. And he goes to Elisha's house, but Elisha sends somebody else. He sends a messenger. And it says that Naaman left in a rage. He was so mad. It was like, I can't receive from you. What are you? I don't want what you have. But anyway, of course, you know the end of the story that it's his servants who ended up telling him, no, you should really receive from this person. Yeah. And so he did what they said, and he was healed of his leprosy. I think those are the kind of stories. You know, the word of God has power. We've got yeah. to teach that, um, you know, Jesus, uh, Elisha is a type of Jesus, and he sends all of us as his messengers. Who are we to say, oh, you're not in the right form. You're not the right package. You're too old. You're a woman. 
You know, mm-hmm. this is how the devil works. You know, John 10, 10, he's a thief. He wants yep. to yep. Run, and he wants to kill. He wants to disqualify everybody. You're the wrong color, yep. you're the wrong age, you're the wrong yep. height, you don't look good. This yep. is wrong, your hair isn't good. All yep. of it, all of it. Because yep. at the end of the day, you're too young, you're too old. You know, mm-hmm. you're in the wrong part of the country, you don't speak right. You don't have the education, you have too much education. All of it, because at the end of the day, Jesus tells us, look up, harvest is white. What are we oh, supposed yes. to do? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers in the field. I believe it's all hands on deck. But who are we to say that not everyone should be involved? But yeah, it has to start, I believe, with teaching it, modeling it. And if need be, really coming and saying, we've been wrong. I mean, if we're in mm. a circumstance where not everybody has a place, because, you know, personally, I believe this great revival that's coming is going to be a revival of body ministry because mm. there's so much to do. There's so much harvest. There's so much that the yes. is is needing everybody in position. You know, we can't just have a couple people over here doing everything. No, everybody's got a destiny and a purpose, and we need to receive that portion of Jesus within everybody and not ever say, oh, that's just the carpenter's son. I mean, can you imagine missing out on what Jesus wanted to do in his own hometown? But we can do that when we shut people down. Right. I think there are also cultural clues. I know uh, my husband and I have been really paying attention to uh, congregations that look different than us. And we've always supported uh, congregations. And what we notice and during our quiet times at night, that there are so many cultural clues that are missed. For example, right after this happened with George Floyd, one of my favorite um, TV uh, ministry ministers came on and in the back of him was a picture of black and brown people. And he started to give an example of dogs. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. what? I'm sorry. Did you just say dogs? Dogs. He started giving an example of that, that, that involved dogs. But there's wow. a picture of black and brown people behind him. And I love this particular pastor. And I looked at my husband, he looked at me because if you had a conversation with him, it's a great pastor. Did not mean any harm. That I mean, I mean we've been following him for years and we know there was no harm in it. But there's so many cultural clues that are missed, not intentionally, but because they've never been at a place in history where it meant so much to, you know, to be very much clued in to the context of what, you know, with all the context around you. So I think a lot of it is, and, and, and for a while, I had to just turn off my TV. Right. Because there was so much offense that was non-intentional. And I've got to say this, I said to myself, Lord, Give black pastors and ministers the courage to minister to their brothers and sisters, but they are in relationship with that I don't have access to. 
here is the time for them to pick up the phone and say, let's have a conversation. So I must present to you a case that I saw that I think is a perfect example of this. And that was a John Gray and, um, and um, out of Texas. Oh, Lord. Joel Osteen, thank you. Um, Joel A. Osteen and John Gray. It was the most incredible conversation. And the stage that was set by Joel Osteen was, I just want to listen. Mm. He says, I just want to listen. Listen, share your heart with me. And in the beginning, John Gray started off kind of sort of guarded. We all know how John can be. But as the conversation continued to an hour and 30 some minutes, John Gray just let down his guard and allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through him. And and um, Joel said, you know, we've had a multicultural church as well for all of my life. He was, but I've never heard what I'm hearing now. Mm. I've never felt what I'm feeling now. So um, I just wanted to share that. If I, and I've been to some churches and I know they welcome me, but when I sat down and listened to the message, um, we just had to at times just leave because it wasn't relevant to us. It didn't address the issues that were happening in the broader community. It was just a total blackout of that. So I, I, I understand because I've been there and I felt it and it was not intentional. It was never intentional. Hmm. Wow. That's a powerful contribution, what you just shared. And those things can happen, um, Patricia, um, what you just shared with us, that you can do something when you're ministering. I've probably been guilty of that, of maybe the body language wasn't right, or maybe something shouldn't have been, you know, in the picture that was there, but you really didn't intend or mean any harm. And I think your um, response to that was so appropriate because you didn't let that one moment define what you knew about that minister for so oh, many years. And that's powerful. Me, by the way, I turned wow. him back on the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's so, but that's such a teachable moment that you just shared with us because I think if someone has had a history of, of, of standing on the right side of communing, communicating um, the gospel effectively, having a heart for all people. And they have one moment that where something is said that's maybe not said the best way or, or communicated the best way, then we should model what you modeled and have that heart to say, you know what, this one moment doesn't yeah. define them as a minister. It just wasn't the best way to present it, but this is not who they are. And that's where the church can model that because right now, when you look, the masses are saying, cancel, <laughs> you, you missed dotting that I, forget about you, you're out of yeah. here. And we, we serve a loving God, that, thank God, that doesn't just throw us away, you know, and, and, and he would want us to model what yeah. you uh, did in this situation. You were able to look at the big picture. And, oh. and, and then also what you said, I know for myself, having connections with uh, different pastors that are uh, have different nationalities, different backgrounds, that those conversations are happening. 
they are happening where black pastors and white pastors and friend, that are friends, they're talking on the phone and they're mm -hmm. hearing and they're listening. And it is bringing about healing and it is having the hard conversations and the hard conversations are important. But I got to tell you, it's a blessing to see the willingness and the wanting to hear the vulnerability of saying maybe there's something that I don't you know, understand. Like a, a, a lot of people talk about, you know, different having diversity in the churches. But there's also a known thing that is easier for African-Americans to go to a church that is led by a Caucasian minister than it is vice versa. That's a known thing. I mean, when you look at Bishop T.D. Jakes, I mean, um, he's up there with the, the, the cream of the, the crops. There's a few specks in his congregation of other nationalities. And it's because he has other nationalities in there, but not in the proportions of what you would see if he was, this is just, just being honest, if if he was a, a Caucasian minister saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And so, you know, there's a lot of healing um, um, that has to take place. And I'm hopeful, you know, that it will, because we're already in a better place. And so yeah. we won't stop here. We, listen, we'll just, we know that it takes it the move of the Holy Spirit on the yeah. hearts of men to bring about this supernatural change that is going to take place. And the church, the Lord's bride, um, we are called to do our part. We're called to do our part. And, and that is to deal with, we got a spiritual work to do and a natural work. It's not just natural, but it's the spiritual dealing with the root of the, the principalities like Pastor uh, Vanessa was talking about, knowing you know that our enemy is not a person or a color or a denomination or anything like that. We got one common enemy. That's right. One common enemy. And that is the wicked one, the devil. And listen, we're going to stand together. The Bible says, listen, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Dr. Nina, now you hit on something. You just went, don't think I didn't catch that. You went and slipped right over into the prophetic and talked about what is happening right now, that God is reviving the body ministry. Notice even with COVID-19, how the heroes, the heroes are in the essential people and essential workers are not the upper enchilance of, of the chairmen of the boards, right? But it's the everyday people that are going in that are having parades and 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 and, and accolades and 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 people singing and cheering for them and and we are right there with the body of Christ where the people of God are standing up and I believe that even with having to go into these houses, having to go into these houses is a part of the strategy. Now I'm not saying we're gonna stay in the house, you know. <laughs> But, but I believe that part of being in the house is getting back to what is essential, what is important, what is necessary, dealing with the household, dealing with the family, families being mended, and, 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 and people having to individually build a personal relationship with God and be awakened 
to these signs shall follow not just the pastor, the apostle, the bishop, the prophet, but them that believe, believers. The believers are emerging. And I want you to talk a little bit more about that, what you prophetically see in this hour God doing uh, during this time and how God is moving, even with all that is going on in our land. It is, it's, it's so powerful. You know, I have to say, I just hear in my spirit, and I've been hearing this for weeks. Really, it began even uh, before um, all of the multiple racial uh, items had come out. It was right at the beginning of that, but it was after the COVID. And I've heard in my spirit, the story of Jonah, I believe the story of Jonah is for the hour that we're in, and it actually is God's finger pointing the way. I mean, think about it. God calls Jonah to go to a people he doesn't want to go to, right? And he mm. says, no, you know, he's gone, no, I'm not going. He gets on a ship, he goes in the opposite direction. But what happens? Well, the Bible tells us that God sent the storm. I'm telling you, I think the storm we're in right now God's hand has been on it. I think we're all home with plenty of time to think about things. I think everything has been put on hold because God's going to come and he's going to restructure things. But the amazing thing is, I mean, this is really, I believe, what God is saying to the church right now is that Jonah is on the ship going in the wrong direction. Come on. He's asleep on the ship. The thing is about to shipwreck. The people on board, which to me is like the people of the earth, are crying out, going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're about to, to crash. John is asleep. The prophet of God is asleep in the ship. And so they go and they say, what is it with you, oh sleeper? Get up, rise up. You see, I think the spirit in the earth is calling for God's people to rise up in this hour. And the amazing thing is, I mean, think about the story of Jonah. I'm telling you, I could just preach this thing, but I'm going to take 10 more seconds. <laughs> the amazing thing is, is that, of course, the big fish comes, right? That It says God had prepared the big fish. I think there's a big smelly fish going on right now. COVID is fish, all the stuff that's in that people, no jobs, all of it. I don't like any of it. I'm not saying I like a thing about it. You know, Jonah called it the belly of hell. I'll say, yes, it is. It's the belly of hell. We don't like it. But I want you to know, it brought Jonah to the destination that he had to be. Yeah. God is bringing us in this hour, yeah. in the midst of all of this calamity, in the midst of the storm that God himself brought up. He's saying, church, arise. Church, yes. up. Church, you've got something to do. And so it says in the scripture, and this is what I believe the spirit is saying to the church right now. It said to Jonah, it says that God came to him a second time. Yeah. You see, mm. second time opportunity. God is coming to us again. And so then uh, Jonah said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Nineveh. He preaches. The whole city turns. Yeah. The people who Jonah didn't want to go to has a great revival. But the yeah. amazing thing is Jonah was mad. Yes, he and was. God taught him one more lesson. And it was the uh, the lesson to do with that, yeah. one, the shade and so on. But I won't go into it all. But the bottom line is God taught him that the people of Nineveh matter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Black lives matter. Yeah. And Matthew, God is saying, 
this is it. You're going to get it right this time. At least that's what the call to the church. We need to say to one another, we're going to get it right. We might have been on a ship going the wrong direction, but it's okay because God's prepared a great fish and he's bringing us to the place that he wants us to be in. And we just have to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're going to do, we're taking this second time opportunity. Let's allow the Lord to position us for what he's really created us for all along. And so, yes, it's body ministry. It's every joint supplies. It's the new wine is found in the cluster, the Holy Spirit, the great outpouring. It's going to be just even in such a way that every uh, vessel is going to pour forth. So that's really what I'm seeing prophetically. To understand, don't despise the big, ugly fish. Yeah. It's, it's taken us to where we need to go. Yes, Lord. Thank God for the storm. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. 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 We are getting ready to close. Dr. Nina, listen, you have hit it right. You hit that nail right on the head. That's exactly where we are. And, and, and wow, what a reference. We've been talking about that on uh, our jumpstart your day. Jonah's bias took him in the wrong direction. He did not want to preach to them folks. And, and, and what we're seeing in, in, in this time is just because, listen, you've written some people off, and I'm just putting that out there generally. Doesn't mean that God has. They matter to God. Yeah, God, right. no matter how much God disagree with Nineveh's sin, he wanted their repentance. It's his will that none would perish. That's yeah. why he gave his son. Oh, what a glorious, glorious gospel we are carrying yeah. to preach to all nations, to everybody, to preach it to the black man, the white man, the Asian man, or maybe yeah. I should say woman, since it's the woman's edition tonight, to every woman, <laughs> to every girl, to every person. The hope of this glorious gospel. Yeah. And he gives us this gospel to preach the same way that he's given us his word and how he brought us out. An imperfect people loved us while we were yet sinners. Not yeah. after we were cleaned up. While we were all messed up. He, yeah. he, he gave us brand new life. As we close tonight, we want to close out uh, and, and, and have each person to share very, very quickly just one solution uh, that you would leave with us with tonight. Just one solution you would leave us with tonight, even if it's um, just reiterating something that you shared earlier that you want to make sure that you say this is a part of the solution. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the verses that, 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 um, that came to me was that Mark 325, if a house divided against itself, um, you know, that house will not be able to stand. And so let's stand together. Let's make a difference. Uh, you know, we all can't be the ones with the Martin Luther King title, but the, a lot of people helped Martin Luther King get to where he was. So right. every contribution that we make, every little thing that we do, every big thing that we do, it's all part of the bigger picture. I may not see the whole big picture, but I want to be a part of it, and I am a part of it. So let's stand together and not let let us not let the thief come to steal and destroy what God has already promised us that's ours. So let's stand together. Let's stand together. Woo, committed to standing together. Pastor Vanessa? 
You know, we need the wisdom of God. Uh, plain mm -hmm. and simple, we need the wisdom of God. The first to plead their case always appears right until somebody comes, right? So, and cross-examine them. It, it's, we have got to tap into the wisdom of God because clarity comes from connection. Um, vision doesn't come from what we see. It comes from our connection with God. That's that's how, you know, revelation comes. So um, we have to do that. And uh, most importantly, um, we, we have just got to commit to love each other well, to just love each other well, and um, and wake up every day, submit our hearts to the Father, and choose to love each other well, and have an unoffendable heart. I love that Patricia communicated that she turned that pastor on the next day because that is grace thinking. That is mature. Your level of maturity is not how much Bible you know. It's how quickly you can forgive other people. <laughs> Honestly, it's like if one more person tells me how spiritually mature they are because they know the word of God inside out, but they literally cannot forgive someone for a, for, for a, a mess up and they're judged on the worst moment of their life when, you know, it's like you're it's just the worst thing, right? Um, you are spiritually mature when you can walk out forgiveness, and grace, and love people well. Amen. 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 That's powerful. Mine is, That's powerful mine is one of um, just urgency. This is an urgent hour. And along with the, the urgency is understanding that we're all ambassadors, that we're not, we're not, um, uh, of this world is recently in this world. And the uh, the entire notion of me understanding that they're my brother and my sister, and we're gonna spend an eternity together, and that families have uh, disputes and disagreements, right? And we still love them. We can't yes. get rid of them. <laughs> so yes. I absolutely em embrace that, but, but also the hour is urgent. And it is the time for full transparency as regards how we feel about each other. And that I love the analogy, Saxonina, thank you so much for the analogy that you just gave us because I had a whole lot of analogies, but my goodness, I, I listen, I am definitely spot on with that. And to understand, yeah. the last thing I wanna say is that God is a God of love. Yeah. The anointing anything other than love. So if we want the anointing to flow, we have no choice but to love. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much to all of you. You've brought such um, grace and love and commitment to this conversation on tonight. Thank you for sharing the heart of the Father. I'm excited about this harvest that is ready to be reached. And yes. like uh, someone said tonight, I think that was the, uh, this is um, Gary, uh, you know, this is Hartnett said, Pastor Nina, you brought us on home. Bravo. Yes, you did. <laughs> That's it right there. Yeah. There it is. You see, through that illustration, and, and I, I know you pretty much probably haven't been on Jumpstart Your Day, but we've been sharing about Jonah and how Jonah's bias took him in the wrong direction, spent his own pay, paid affair because yeah. he did not want to preach to that particular group of people. Yeah. But God, even in his compassion and his love, he didn't kill him. He just allowed a nice storm, 
<laughs> to wake him up yeah. out of his being comfortable in moving in the wrong direction. And so I'm excited about what's ahead, this harvest, the souls. Um, uh, 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 I share what we share with our Jumpstart family on this morning. Uh, God is using what he's going to do. He's going to use loving kindness and he's going to draw them. And he is about to blindside some sinners that didn't even call upon his, they, his name with blessings. And he's going to cause them to see his power and they are going to be mighty conversions. And so I'm so excited and giddy in my soul about the different races and nationalities and the, the human beings that are coming into the fold yeah. and surrendering to Jesus. Let's stay on these front lines, praying, mm -hmm. sticking together, um, standing together, praying for one another, praying the heart of God into the earth, standing for oneness, standing for humanity and reaching the nations for Jesus. Thank you so much, Pastor Serena, Pastor Nina, Pastor Vanessa, Patricia Ferguson, we love you all. Thank you for being here with us on the I Need a Word platform tonight. Good night, everybody. Thank you for Thank your you. contribution. Let's remember to represent the kingdom. We love you. God bless you. Jesus reigns. We yes, thank God then. for healing and hope to the nations. Amen. Bye. Bye. <laughs>